Cause your friends don't dance And if they don't dance Well, they're no friends of mine Welcome everybody to Fear and Loathing in Cinema podcast. Oh my goodness, it's going to be a great episode today. It's February 14th in Dallas, Texas and in Austin, Texas. So happy Valentine's Day. Be my Valentine inside a biosphere, please. I'm Brian Kluger and I'm joined by the hosts with the most, the two people who I want to be stuck inside a biosphere for 365 days. And 385 days a year. 85 days, yes, for <laughs> a full year calendar year. Preston Barta and Dan Moran, happy Valentine's Day to you lovely men. Happy VD. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> Happy VD. So, Dan, are you excited about Biodome? I am thrilled. It is a, it came out when I was 10 or 11. So, right in the wheelhouse of all that humor, just perfectly fitting. Everything they think is funny, I thought was the greatest thing ever made whenever this movie came out. And it's still hit. So I'm very, very excited to talk about it. <laughs> right. So Biodome came out in January 12th, 1996. It was a January film of 1996. I was 15 years old. Uh, and it was directed by Jason Bloom, written by Kip Conan and St- Scott uh, Mercano, and of course starred Polly Shore, Stephen Baldwin, William Atherton, Joey Lauren Adams, Kylie Minogue, amongst other people. Uh, and, you know, this movie was made for $8 million. It almost doubled that. <laughs> <laughs> but it has a 4% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and we're here to tell you why that is incorrect, why this movie still is amazing. But first, Preston, you have to tell me, I mm-hmm. do believe knowing you for several years, more than that, a decade, um, Biodome is close to your heart on Valentine's Day and in your life. So <laughs> please talk with me about, talk with us about why Biodome is so special. So 13 years ago, almost to this day, I took my now wife uh, out on a date. And um, when we got back to my house, we watched The Departed. And that was like something that we wanted to, I was, she was asking me like what my favorite movie was. I was asking what her favorite movie was. And at the time hers was Wicker Park. And so we were good. We made a deal to exchange because uh, I had not seen Wicker Park. And uh, we made a deal to show each other our favorite movies because I was such a, you know, and still am such a movie guy. And so we watched The Departed. I shared The Departed with her. And then we had another day to do Wicker Park. But right after that, I just turned it on TV, uh, on cable, and I was flipped through the channels and Biodome was on. And Biodome holds a really special place. Just Polly Shore movies in general um, hold a very special place in my heart. Uh because I watched them all the time. It was Polly Shore's language is so much a part of my household and um, all the noises and gooey noises that he does. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Um, so we watched Biodome and I had no idea that she was as big of a fan of Polly Shore as I was. So we immediately just like connected even more. And there there was a moment in the film where i think because when we watched we watched it together last night uh for the first time in many many years and we 
where it was our goal to try to figure out the specific moment that led to our first kiss, because this is where I shared my first kiss with my wife. We, <laughs> um, we both knew a quote and we couldn't figure out which quote it was, but it had to been something in the desert sequence when they get uh, kicked out and they're in, in the desert. And we both quoted it at the same time. And I just remember us, uh giving each other a high five and we kind of put our hands interlocked like that and then we kissed each other and that was our first kiss so uh yeah this this movie connects to me with my relationship i my day job i work at a company that is all about sustainability so this who knew that this was going to be an even bigger movie in my life and just completely uh kind of depict where i'm at um and so, yeah, it holds a very, very special place in my heart. So it was very, it was so much fun to watch it again last night and just us to crack up a storm and be like, oh my God, this movie's so dumb, but it's so amazing. You can't look away. Uh, and so, yeah, it's fantastic. Oh, what a wonderful story that is. I just, I just like that it was just randomly on a television and yeah. it was just like y'all locked hands, locked eyes, and then locked lips over, yeah, <laughs> over biodome. Dan, what, did we, you have? Oh, go ahead. Which, uh, we actually went to go see a stand-up that Polly Shore did a, a couple of years ago, probably like six or seven years ago. And man, we were trying to get a hold of him so badly just to say that you're the reason why me and my wife are together. <laughs> you 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 were you were that conduit for our love, Polly yeah. Shore. Uh Dan, do you have a similar story with your wife? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Just not me. even close. We saw Swim Fan together, so maybe we'll yeah. get to that at one point, but uh we should no, I do not share I do not share such a beautiful Valentine's story of Polly Shore and a Baldwin brother that uh Preston does. Oh, that's so I good. That's so, yeah, right. We all do. We all do. Biodome. So Biodome is a movie about two kind of bumbling idiots, uh, Polly Shore, Stephen Baldwin, you know, think mid 90s surfer guys, California, who like to watch TV, eat junk food and all that. Burnouts. Don't care. Yeah, burnouts. They don't care about the environment. Um, and they have two girlfriends. Um and they who are go to the like this state college and they're really into the environment they're really into earth day and they try to get their boyfriends Polly shore and stephen baldwin really really into it but they don't and they play a they play a prank on them to say that hey we found these other guys make them jealous do something with your lives, but you know, secretly it's just a prank. And this shows them like, we got the, the two guys, we have to do something. So they end mm -hmm. up going on this mission and they find this, uh, they find this building that they have to go to the bathroom in, not knowing that it's a biosphere about to be locked for 385 days, <laughs> a full year. And they get stuck in there with these scientists and botanists and, in you know the whole scientific doctor team and what comes from that is just so sweet and amazing that's what it is that's right guys that's what it's like right yep that's science that's it that, that that's that's kind of the gist of the movie so i'll start with dan dan 
what with this movie being silly as it is, what is uh, what makes it so much fun to watch and so almost rewatchable and charming? Because it's a movie that knows exactly what it is. And it uses every single trope you can imagine of being trapped in a biodome with these uptight scientists and these important people. And then every trope of two stoner buddies who have girlfriends that are way out of their league. And it just leans into every single, it mines so much comedy out of every single aspect and interaction between all the characters. And it just doesn't care if something's stupid because the whole idea is, on the surface level, just objectively, it's dumb, but it leans into it. And with such a sweet, like sincerity, like we know this is dumb, but we're just here to make you laugh. And if you didn't like this joke, stay around for 15 seconds. Cause we have another one. That's either going to be more immature or maybe slightly crazier and you're going to laugh. And it's just, it's just a fun movie. It's fun. It is. It is fun. Preston talk to me. Like, I know you have this, like, very raw connection to this movie because you know your wife of you just celebrated your anniversary happy anniversary and it started it seemed to start from this movie uh other than that what do you love about <laughs> this movie so much because a lot of Preston. people hate this movie it's four percent on rotten tomatoes why do we love this movie why do you love this movie and Ben, what'd you say preston remember like we know you think it's the most romantic movie that's ever been filmed in Hollywood, <laughs> but like try to find something else you like about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, I would say above anything, it's just the language of the characters that makes me love it so much because the movie opens with like the guys trying to bail themselves out of going to an environmental event and they're just hitting each other with the book. And it's so beyond stupid and they're like chewing each other's toenails and doing all kinds of disgusting stuff all throughout it. They're they're occasionally so not occasionally they they're mean a lot to the characters uh, to other characters like uh, unloading the butterflies. That's so much a part of this one guy's life. And if it wasn't this particular tone and goofiness, uh, the movie so easily could have been a horror movie. Like it could have been like that guy decided that he wanted to kill them because he wrecked his uh, life's work at this point. One guy that's like hiding in the walls at, at a certain point could have easily just killed them too. Um, but that's just not the movie. Um, so yeah, it's it's the language of the characters. Like, uh, like I was saying at the top with... Uh, so much of like po- the way that Polly Shore delivers things is like so so completely memorable and there's just like lines that linger with you for a long time uh, many years in fact uh, there's the the great one with uh, Bud when he says Russell uh, how did you get a job and then the the guy that's like the pizza delivery dude in uh, 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 Fast Times at Ridgemont High and like Twitter and peaks stuff like that uh he's like fucking president clinton he's like you had sex with president clinton so it's just like there's just so many lines all throughout that i just eat up and um find myself just laughing at because i think it takes a really good comedian to be able to just look at certain lines on the page and just be like 
I'm going to elevate this and make it something memorable because it so easily could have been read or delivered by another actor and it would be completely deserving of the 4% on Rotten Tomatoes, but it's not. It's It knows that it's a dumb movie, like Dan said, but it just has a good time and um, it's just very infectious. Like you, you just can't quite, you know, ignore it. It's It's just a lot of fun. It, it is a lot of fun. And one of the things that I think that makes this movie work way more than it, it should be allowed to work is definitely Stephen Baldwin and Polly Shore showed up. Their characters in this, like you want to not like them, but it's so hard not to not like them. Like they are, they are so innocent. They're charming. They're, they actually love each other and love people. Uh, they never get like mad at anybody. You know, they don't, they're not out to get anybody. They're out to have a good time and make others feel good. And they just have this suit certain, um, certain aura about their character that you're just like, man, I love these guys. Like these, they're so sweet and endearing. And I think that's what carries the movie. And I think with the doctors and the scientists that they have to share the space with at first, they're like, why we're, we are above this and their personalities in this movie, like you said, press and infect them and like they have a better time and even in those first moments the two women uh that are the scientists kylie minogue and i can't remember hmm. the other one they like laugh at their jokes they're just like yeah they have a certain way about them and i think that's really what drives this movie along with some other things but i think that's like the core of it right what would you say yeah kylie goes uh godzilla on a carrot yeah, right? <laughs> she does. <laughs> it's, oh, it's wonderful. And like all that. Okay. So that being said, I know Preston, you and I have had this off conversation about movies that came out maybe in the early 2000s that might not hold up today. And there is some humor maybe in this movie that could be said like, you know, in modern times might not be kosher, but I disagree. Like, I think that this movie with its sweetness and endearing and charming characters, I think it works. Like these two bumbling idiots, Polly Shore and Stephen Baldwin and these characters, Doyle um, and Bud, it's just, it's their... Whatever they do, it's not out of meanness or spite. They just want to have a good time, right? Well, I think they're just ignorant of it being mean, like I was saying with the the butterfly guy. Like they they're they're so ignorant that they don't know that they're really affecting this guy. They're just having a good time, and they kind of want the same the the guy the scientist to just not take their work so seriously and just kind of live in the moment. So that's that's what makes them so great that even if maybe from the outside looking in you could say that it's mean but they just don't know they don't know any better the only part that i would say that would does not hold up today is the moment where they sneak into the women's room and they pull like a casey affleck and they they go they go in their room when they're sleeping and they're trying to cuddle with them uh i still laugh at it but it's uh that that would be the one moment that probably wouldn't fly as well today
But in that moment, they don't try to do anything. They just want to have a bed, you know, because yeah. they're given the storage room with no no comforter, uh, nothing. And so they sneak into the bed and they just like, oh, I got to cuddle a little bit. <laughs> I'm sure and, that's all they wanted to do. Right, right, right. But they don't show anything. They're not trying to kiss or rub ears or anything. They just kind of get in bed. And I mean, it's funny because like immediately they're thrown out and they're, you know, they're laughing about it. You know, it's like it is yeah. not like, dang it, I got kicked out. It's more of like, ha, 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 that was a funny joke, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's what I liked about it. Uh, Dan, was there anything that you watched that you were like that wouldn't fly today? Or did you still love all of that? Well, I mean, yeah, I think as Preston was kind of saying, I'm sure you've said, too, you can litigate almost anything that came out before shoot five years ago and find something in it that wouldn't really fly in today's world. But I think, yeah, the climbing in the bed thing would probably be frowned upon at this point. But like you said, in there was no, there was not even a hint of like nefarious intent on their part. Other yeah, than there was like no maliciousness, no maliciousness. Yeah. yeah. They were just getting in, they were literally getting in there to like snuggle. And when the girls woke up, they were like, Oh, you got us. And just left. It wasn't I'm like, Oh man, I'm trying to get laid here. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It was just, they're such innocent idiots and yeah, it's tough to really fault them because they're never, everything they do, even to the, to the credit of the directors and the writers or whoever you want to say it, everything they do is stupid, but they do it from a kind hearted place of like how they're seeing the world and it ends up being a good thing in the end. But there's never a point where like, you should definitely be these guys or emulate these people. It's like, no, no, no. Just take the piece of like finding joy in weird situations and like having yeah. a good heart is all they end up taking away from the movie as far as like a message, if you will. So I don't think there's, it's tough to really say that they're the bad guys or there's anything in there that would really concern me about what they do or joke about in it. Right. And I think the only person that's a bad guy would be the stereotypical bad guy, William Atherton, you know, real genius, Ghostbusters. This man has no dick, you know, and he's in <laughs> here. And for in, oddly enough, you, you're at the beginning of this movie, William Atherton, he's for Bud and Doyle. He is for yeah. Polly Shore. And just somewhere, somewhere in there, he just loses his mind. And it might not be that he's, he's, willingly evil he i think he just loses his cool like he just bunkers yeah. down he ted kaczynski's it and he's like he just goes off <laughs> the be, deep end <laughs> to be fair to him he was locking himself inside of a biodome for 385 days with essential strangers and then two stoners come in and like kind of ruin the whole plan and yeah he wasn't obviously he didn't go through the mental stress tests in order to be part of this mission <laughs> Was was there something about William Atherton's portrayal of an evil-ish guy, Preston, that got you in that, like, you can compare to his Ghostbusters or to his real genius? Uh, probably the line that Polly Shore says about spray on hair uh, was pretty great. Uh, <laughs> You're you the dude with the spray on hair, buddy? <laughs> I liked his, like, ascot he had with his... Uh... Yeah, he he was the ascot guy. He always he had, had like an ascot. He had on the scientist uniform, but you knew yeah. he wasn't classy because he had an ascot. <laughs> oh, that yeah. was so good. Um, and so and it was great to see like the owner and the president 
of <laughs> the uh, biosphere who you would recognize in tons of movies, including the Burbs. But he was for uh he was for bud and doyle too he's trying to make money off of them you know get the get the merchandise and like when and i love that part when uh paulie shore is like talking to him is like how good he looks and like he's get, he's t- getting a cigarette and he's like oh i'm getting kind of <laughs> oh, yeah. randy here and it just he plays that perf- perfectly i thought oh we're thinking of you naked and it's those little moments that you're just like oh man they really do love everybody and even in the mid 90s you know having you know two characters like that who were very pro lgbtq even for its time because they even said to each other like we love everybody we love each other we we go both ways you know i was like hey absolutely that's great uh i did really enjoy that um also, let's talk about how Rose McGowan got <laughs> top billing in the credits of the opening credits, but she's in it for what a minute and a half. She has a couple lines. Yeah, it, it, was this post Scream? Uh, no, I don't I, think so. This was '96, and Scream so, came out '97 yeah. or '98. So I'm trying to. I I saw that, and I was like, oh, oh I didn't remember her being in this. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I think this was after Scream. So I, I remember she got top billing in the opening credits. And I was like, yeah, wait, what? And then she has like one scene, basically. Mm-hmm. You're just like, what's happening? What's going on? Also, for those like, like they had as much she had as much to do as the Tenacious D. Yeah, Tenacious D does show up yes. in this movie. A young Jack Black and Kyle Gass singing at the college. And you see them and you're just like, wait, what? It's like, I did not remember that. Is this a first uh, an appearance of both of them together as Tenacious D in a movie? I guess so, because I remember Jack Black from Court's Cable Guy, and then uh, he was in the third Neverending Story, but I can't think of them being together in something prior to this. As, as their band, like yeah, as like yeah. a band. So yeah, this might be the first time we kind of see them in that, which was great. It was like a great little cameo and they are featured because Jack Black really in the industry is known by everybody. They love him like Ben Stiller, Pauly Shore. They're all in that little comedic realm and, you know, to showcase their band and their, you know, kind of comedy chops is pretty great. I all, thought. All I can think of is Scream did come out later that spring in 1996. Okay. So all I can think of is that looking at her IMDb, this was either a favor from Encino Man in 1992, so she had already worked with Pauly Shore and most of these producers, or it was the hype for Scream and Wes Craven's new movie, and her starring in it was high enough that they were like, oh, let's put her name on there since people are already buzzing about Scream, which comes out in two months. That's okay. all I can think of, because she's got in between Encino Man and Biodome, she only has a movie called The Doom Generation. Okay. Which I've never heard of. That's weird right. to make her top billing, though. I saw that and I was like, I thought it was Joey Lauren Adams. And then I was like, it was. I was not wrong. This hey. movie's weird. Yeah, no, that's that interesting concept. Yeah, that's probably what it was. So, or, yeah. or maybe they changed it for the video release or something like that. Yeah. Um, that's since, true. This, since it probably made mo- more money on video because that's how I watched it. I didn't see it in theaters. If they were I, like, you liked Scream, check out this video. HS of a yeah. movie starring Rose McGowan who can't handle garage yeah, doors. Get, 
Yeah. Yeah. Get stoned with your buddies and watch this. Yeah. Yeah. I actually saw this in the theater when it came out and I saw it with, uh, we did a field trip with my Sunday school, a little Jewish temple Shalom. <laughs> and we all, and like they, all the kids relied on me. They're like, what do we see? And I'm like, let's do see biodome. <laughs> Were you like explaining everything to them? Well, I was like, no, I was not. I was like, dude, I really liked that movie. And, I, and like some were like, yeah. And then most of them were just like, that was so horrible. And I was like, what are, what are you talking about? <laughs> but yeah, that's how I saw it. <laughs> Man, that's funny. Like, uh, I remember being a kid and going to the movies and I, my wife says that, oh, you should have done it. That was a jerk thing to do. But I was invited to a movie birthday party thing. And all my friends went to go see The Clumps. Nutty Professor 2, <laughs> The Clumps. And then I was like, I can't do that, guys. I'm going to go see Gone in 60 Seconds for like the fifth yeah. time. And I watched it with their parents because they all went to go sneak off and see their own movie. Um, so that just takes me back to doing that sort of thing. Uh, having having a, a mind to be able to be like, eh, yeah, I'm not going to do that. That's oh, that's funny. That's good. I like. Oh, wait, uh, before we get too far along, can we talk about the just the overall nineties of the movie that starts with like the opening credits with it being like this MTV infused, where the title card has like a screw on it. It has all these sound effects, and then just the tie dye shirts. The, uh, the yeah, the nineties like hippie culture. Uh, it's just a great joy to me. So I'm just curious, like, uh, what were y'all's takeaways with all those little moments and the the, the 90s stank on it? It's a time N- machine. Yeah, nostalgia for sure. I mean, I I lived during that. I was in my teenage teenage years in the 90s, and I I mean, I definitely exuded 90s when I was growing up, and coming back to this movie and seeing like all those you know Nickelodeon esque and MTV type of things and then I was like yes I because nowadays everything's like more serious and into darkness yeah. we gotta do it right and like I miss the silliness of the 90s <laughs> like I yeah. do I, yeah. I just I think it's great and I think a good example of that even though some of the music the music of this movie is so goddamn impressive like even today like the da 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 and even <laughs> Playing the entire song of Men Without Hats, uh, Safety yeah. Dance, like genius. But like all the music in this movie is like a time capsule. I'm just like, damn, this is a good soundtrack. Like, really, why don't I own this on vinyl? Like, I need it. I know. I want like their version of because uh, it was funny that I noticed this time that when they do the Iron Man, Iron Man, yeah. uh, they actually play like the Spider Man song, like a punk version they do. in the background. No, because they're singing it and it's not Spider Man, and they they make the joke like that's Spider Man, but then they actually play the Spider Man song, and I'm just like, wait, what is going on here? Is this part of the Mar- MCU? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it's just. They're- it's, just, it's fun and yeah like you said there's music drops there's almost like there's someone with a soundboard doing the the post-production on the movie and putting in funny sound effects and like right especially drops. towards the beginning of the movie where right. you you hear the boings and the you know little sound effects that go into it and i i enjoyed that because it tries to make it i think they did that because if you actually saw two people hitting 
each other with a book that hard and kind of being like that, they might like these people are deranged. But when you add that sound effect, it makes it so silly. And with those two characters, you know, sniffing each other's farts and stuff like that and calling it. Keep on like, cruising, man. Keep on cruising. <laughs> it's so good. And I got to remember, because, you know, watching the movie for the first time in the theater with everybody and then watching it over the years, I still, what really sticks out to me that still cracks me up every time, and it's like just a just a dumb joke, is every time they do rock, paper, scissors, and Polly Shore just immediately has to like he changes it the last second and Stephen Baldwin does not know <laughs> it's just it's so wonderful to me to watch that because that makes me laugh every time like do y'all catch that uh, yeah. oh yeah <laughs> yeah such an, such an idiot and you know let's talk about that let's talk about the dialogue do you because I'm not sure I haven't talked with Paulie Shore I haven't talked with Stephen Baldwin about this movie do you think this was like script written or do you think they just riffed on each other constantly? I'm sure they had a, like a treatment or just like some sort of like baseline there. Cause it does seem like some people are like treating this as like a real thing. Cause this movie, like so easily when they get to like the biodome portion of it, there's, they got all these background actors and everything. And then it's just so easily could have been like a serious movie about the environment. And it's just like hard to believe that some of these actors were like, this sounds like uh, a good, a good career move. Cause I remember reading on the trivia that Alec Baldwin told his brother that he's going to ruin and sabotage his career if he does this movie. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And jokes on him because Stephen Baldwin is most recognized for Biodome. <laughs> he, yeah, he's the uh, he's the more celebrated Baldwin at the moment. So he he sure is. He sure is. Uh, and he, you've you've yes. got to think like with these characters, how sweet they are, and how just you know, there's no stages of lingering depression or grief. Like in what a great example of this character and in, the, in these. Uh, like the amazing psychology of them is that, you know, when they're trying to fix the biosphere and give, give, give it up to homeostasis, a hundred percent. Stephen Baldwin is collecting cigarette butts from the party they throw. And he's, I mean, that's taking a long time. Polly Shore comes along and is like, Hey buddy, we already got it. You know, we, we, we got yeah. this thing to do. And Stephen's like, well, what am I supposed to do? And Polly Shore's response is, well, at least you collected them. And like, yeah. Steve's like, yeah, perfect. And like, it's happiness. And like, that's like a great example of just like moving on, being happy and go lucky, not dwelling on something, you know, like moving forward. And I think that's great for anybody. Like that little moment is so perfect. Like, did y'all get that? Oh yeah. Yeah. My, my absolute favorite moment. And this could have been the moment that caused me to kiss my wife is when they're in the desert and they're kind of go, they think that they're about to die and they're just kind of going through things that they've done in the past. That's another thing that's so great about this movie, like all the flashback sequences of when, like when they're kids and they're messing around. And so they're going through all these stories of like what had happened. And then it gets to the last story with uh, Stephen Baldwin's character. And he says, this, he's talking about, uh, the, the great fire of 1979 or something like that. And then Polly Shore is like, you're going to tell me that you're responsible for that. No, but it was a pretty cool story. Um, and just, it, they, 
these moments of comedy kind of sneak up on you. Like, cause in one moment you can be like, <laughs> and then other ones you're like, my God, that had some bite on it. And I am still laughing and still thinking about it years later. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I think that they probably, they definitely had some to go back what you were saying earlier about like what, what they probably had scripted. Um, they probably did have quite a bit down for like the more serious stuff that's plot where they get to like the transitions like we have to get here. These are all the beats that we need to hit. You can color in the gray spaces with whatever language you want to and just kind of have fun. And 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 I guess it worked out for them here. Not so much in Ant-Man as we were kind of joking around about uh, with the new Ant-Man movie, not really having the the chops to be able to color in the the gray spaces but um yeah you can feel that a lot of the moments feel like imp- improvised because i think there's even some moments if you like focus on some of the other characters faces you can see them holding in a laugh um so uh that, or that, even that, with kylie minogue they lean into it when they're yeah. like flirting with her yeah and she that's those look like genuine smiles or like laughs to me like they were work. I know it's two different shots, but I think they were just riffing pickup lines on her and being goofy and making her laugh and to just to add on to exactly what you were saying. Yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, that that's what it was like how with those two Stephen Baldwin and Polly Shore being in those characters being dressed like that and then having them on set. How is how could you not laugh? How could you not have a good time? You know, mm-hmm. and kudos to William Atherton for literally keeping that straight face, you know, to- for most of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, that's what I loved about it. Uh, because, like, he kind of doesn't show up until the very end of the movie after, like, the first, you know, 15 minutes. You know, you kind of mm-hmm. see him here and there. But, yeah, it's a, it's so good. It's, uh, and, you know how this movie ends is like how it kind of starts out is like, Oh, they got the girls again. They need to go to the bathroom and they pull into, you know, the nuclear power plant, like what's going to happen here. Uh, And it's been said that there is funding and there has been talk about doing a sequel like now for it. And I'm like, I'd be for it. Like I want a Polly shore resurgence. Like I do. Yeah, I, I would want one too. Because uh, at this point in his career, he could just do anything. There, I didn't see that other stoner uh, college comedy thing where he plays like a Van Wilder type or just like a burnout, another burnout, um, or like the weed dealer or something. Uh, I didn't see it, but I'm I'm hungry for him to have another opportunity because uh, I mean. In the army now, son-in-law, Encino man, jury the, duty. Yeah, jury duty. Uh, yeah, especially the part on the bus. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's just. I, I think you, Brian, hit it with just like they, they just have such a an energy about, uh, or I guess Polly Shore more so that has an energy about him where he can, he can just really just pull off almost any scenario uh but i and i'm curious to know what that would be like in his older age if he was to return to the playing this character and having stephen baldwin back um would they they probably wouldn't have they would 
they wouldn't be like sustainable people. I don't think, I don't think that part of their lives would have stuck following this experience. And so I'm just kind of curious if they would be actually just snap back to the way things were and they're just kind of do it, doing it to get where they needed to be. Um, I, I wonder how serious that they would take it and if they would pick things back up at the power, at the power plant or something like that. I don't know. I, I wouldn't imagine that being the case. I would imagine it would be like a bill and Ted three where it was like, they had kids yes. and they would play a big part of it. Um, uh, you know, in, in modern times, uh, and I think that's, but, would be the way that, but it's would. been done. So why not? Cause I think Dave Chappelle said, He's like, I'm not interested in doing like a half-baked sequel. I don't want to see a movie where the kids get stoned. I was like, I, you know what's more interesting to me? See 50-year-olds get stoned. Um, right. If they were in a state of arrested development and they were still just stoners living together, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then like got into another situation, then I feel like that would be funny. But like you were saying, Brian, I know it worked for Bill and Ted and stuff, but for it would just have to be another really dumb <laughs> just lean into the dumb. No, I I hope so. Like I I they would get on really like a want SpaceX this. rocket. And you know, I, this movie hasn't gotten a lot of love. Like I think it's on a Blu-ray, but I think it was like an early Blu-ray. And yeah. has this come out like in some form of collector's edition? No, um, unfortunately not. Because I remember a lot of people asking Polly Shore about it on Facebook and Twitter and. Uh, I I haven't seen what Jury Duty had a Blu-ray I think through yes, Milk Mill Creek. Yep, it did. Um, but that was it. Nothing. Nothing that's because I I would put probably Jury I would put Encino Man, Son-in-Law. Well, I don't even know if I put it in Encino, but I guess I would. So yeah, there they need to be a four movie pack, four or five movie pack, and they just haven't done it yet. Or put it on streaming, make it available to stream more easily because they're they're either all separated ones on hulu or they're not available yeah so with it with with biodome like it's free on youtube other than yeah. that you have to pay 15 bucks to buy it on digital yeah. and so and it's a hard movie to find. why i mean come on like people need this like i think <laughs> with the, the comedy now and everybody trying so hard to be politically correct and everything i think this movie just is what people need. Like have a good time with yourself, have a good time with others. Like it's not all doom and gloom. Like you could have a good time with it. Yeah. It's okay to laugh at essentially Looney Tunes characters mm -hmm. and fart jokes, which is essentially what this is. I mean, the physical stuff is so they're not human beings with the physical <laughs> comedy and the physical injuries. They are not humans. They're cartoons. And then every joke they go back to like, my son would think this is the funniest movie ever because he's a seven year old boy like smelling farts and that sort of stuff is like the bread and butter around these parts right now. So, I mean, that's, and sometimes it's funny <laughs> to just laugh at those. I mean, if this movie was two hours and 15 minutes and tried to say like a real message about the environment or something that they would have to do with today's movie, I would be, my eyes would be rolling out of the back of my head, but instead it's like, we're really not going to learn any lessons and we're going to go ahead and try to go to the bathroom in a nuclear power plant movie over. <laughs> hey, that's still funny at 41. <laughs> hey, it's kind of like Brian. It's like what you were saying about, about burn after reading. You now the last moment of that film is just like, what do we learn here guys? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely yeah. nothing. <laughs> what, 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 do we, what do we take away from this? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. we, 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 we take away great lines. Like when they throw the toss, the fireworks and some guy, yells off screen holy kennedy 
Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> Honestly, this movie took if it took anything, it's um dude where's my car borrowed the exact same premise. Yeah. <laughs> Five wait, years wait, later, like, way way above and beyond that premise with right, but like I when I watched the opening to this, I was like, I've seen this with like two losers doing stupid stunts in their house and they have two hot girlfriends that are way out of their league. And I was like racking my brain for like a solid minute. I was like, oh that's dude where's my car like starts the exact same way so yeah you know it's so good and i and i want to end on how funny this movie is towards the very end of the movie before they're about to like the next day they're about to be released from the biosphere uh the two girls come into their uh, their storage room to bud and doyle and they start making out and they're making out hardcore. Polly Shore's like, wait, wait, we got girlfriends. The music stops. He looks over to Stephen Baldwin. And then the music starts back up. And they're just hardcore tonguing. And it's just so funny how, like, the music stops. Wait, 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 what? Looks over there to Stephen. Music starts back up. And it's just, it's a glorious moment. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the period at the end of the sentence is when the girls leave the room and they, the door shuts behind them and they just go over there and hump, hump the it. door. <laughs> I, I joked to my wife, I was like, Hey, when you used to work and uh, drive to work uh, every time you'd leave, that's what I do. You'd walk out the door and I'd just go <laughs> hump the, the door. The door. <laughs> that, so good. what we all do. That's, uh, that's good. good. So man. yeah. Biodome. It has a 4% in Rotten Tomatoes. It, it does not deserve 4%. It deserves way more than that. I mean, it deserves to be a fresh score. Revisit Biodome, please. Revisit Polly Shore. There is that sweetness to these characters that is just still so great, right? Great. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. I think I need to like share this podcast on my a website and then write a little bit about it just like a paragraph and then just add it to rotten tomatoes just to take it to like five you do you need to you do it please do it it's it's worth it uh yes how, again how many how many reviews are in on that 26. 26. it's way too low it's it's what did someone go into what did someone go into looking for with this movie where they were gonna be like oh my goodness <laughs> I think it's 26 reviews, 4%. And it's it's just crazy. Am I right, Preston? Are you looking it up? Yeah, yeah, 26%. Or uh, 26, 26 reviews. reviews. Yeah, let's add more to that. Let's add more to that. Yeah, I was trying to look and see if there's like any names that <clears throat> that I really know. I, I know Emmanuel Levy and uh, Owen Gleiberman. Seems like a lot of poly. It's all directed at Polly Shore. Probably. America faces the very real prospect that Polly Shore is the most annoying comic alive. This is not true. At one point, Polly looks into the camera and says, "Something stupid can be pretty cool." Not this time, Polly. Shore yeah. captured the Razzie Award. It's every single review is just people who don't like Polly Shore, which I get, but I don't whatever. get it at all. I don't get it at all. That's crazy to me. But either I way, I don't get how Son in Law is twenty one percent. That's like a legit. Good movie. I agree. Son of a Law's an amazing movie. That's yeah, that's way worse of a um people don't like Polly Shore for some reason. I don't know. We we need to change the we need to flip the script on this. We need to do yep. we need to have Polly Shore on the show. We need to talk. 
Um, but yes, this is Biodome. Please go see it. It's free on YouTube. If you can find it, please revisit Biodome. I think you will find that tenderness, lighthearted, good fun with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are Fear and Loathing in Cinema Podcast. Thank you for listening. Happy Valentine's Day, y'all. Thank you. We love you. We heart you. Be our Valentine. Uh, Press and Barta. He's the man, the myth, the legend on Instagram. It's Blu-ray dad, Twitter, Press and Barta. Find him on YouTube. Find him at the Denton Record Chronicle and FreshFiction.tv. I'm Brian Kluger. I'm at HighDefDigest.com. I'm on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. And Dan Moran, he's he's on YouPorn. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back next week with another great, great show. We love you. Thank you. Biodome forever.